It could be said that nothing forms a bond between people like overcoming adversity together. And isn't that what we often experience with adventure motorcycling? Self-inflicted, of course, but nonetheless potent. In today's story, two riders arrive for an organized backroad ride, only to discover they don't fit the rider profile, nor do they have the skills or the motorcycles for what the day had planned. But teaming up and working through adversity together forges a new friendship that'll last a lifetime. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manning. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Payne. Bill Bragu. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Oh. I'm Marissa Notier, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters, cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. I'm Darren Gillies I'm from Barry, Vermont, and I'm an estimator for a steel fabricator. I'm Christopher Corcoran from Georgia, Vermont, and I work at an assisted living facility in Burlington, Vermont. Darren, I want to start with you. How do you how do you get into riding? Is this something you started when you were, you were a kid, or is this something as an adult? Where does it come in? Um, I started riding when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Uh, got my first bike it was a Honda five fifty uh, something or other. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember it was brown. Put a fairing on it and a header. Um, and then I graduated to like a Honda Interceptor um, the oh. seven fifty. I did that until I got married and had a kid, and ended up I didn't ride very much and put my bike away, and then. Uh, um, life went on from there. I didn't ride for like 30 years. Um, moved to Vermont. Uh, lost my wife to cancer. Decided that I wanted to go back to riding. So I uh, was looking around. I figured if I bought what I really wanted was like a street bike, like a Honda 900 RR or something. I figured I'd get myself into trouble. So um, I ended up buying a V-Strom 650 uh, off a venture bike, which since there's lots of back roads around Vermont. It seems like the perfect bike for Vermont. So that's where I went. So that's how I got back into riding. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your wife. Thank you. Is that what got you back into riding? Is, is losing your wife the thing, the, the impetus for getting back on a motorcycle? Um, sadly, it kind of was. Um, she was not very pro riding at all. Her, uh, she had some bad experiences when she was younger. So she didn't really want me riding, so we we ended up having other things we did together as as a couple. So it wasn't you know a huge thing, but um, you know when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and you know what to do for fun, it seemed like a good alternative. You know I've always loved bikes. I've always wanted to get back into riding. So and um, the idea of an adventure bike riding the back roads, you know the the challenge of of riding some of these class four Vermont roads just seemed like a great thing. So. Um, that seemed to be the way to go. So you, you were sort of following motorcycles? You knew about adventure motorcycles at that point, like b- before you started looking? Oh, yeah. I've always followed motorcycles. I've you know, had friends with Ride and 
you know, I'm always, you know, looking for my dream bike, you know what I mean? Just to, you know, it's never been out of my mind. I've always followed like uh, racing. I, I like all kinds of motorsports. So I've always followed all kinds of racing and motorcycle, you know, MotoGP, uh, F1, all that stuff. So, mm. so the, the V-Stream, you said 650? So, so that's a, that's a great adventure bike. A lot of people use that. I love it. I think it's perfect, especially for, you know, a beginner bike. It's not too expensive. Uh, comes with all the stuff. Uh, it has, has, comes with panniers and, uh, you know, it, it's not too heavy. I try, I got on the, the 1050 and it just seemed like it was too heavy, too big a bike, which in retrospect, the riding that Chris and I have done, it's been a good thing because, I pick up my 650 enough. I don't want to be picking up a 1050. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the 1050 is the older design too, isn't it? it yeah, yeah. The 10, was it a new one? Is it 1100? I, I can't remember what the new one is, but yeah, mm. either way. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everyone I've spoke to that has a 650 or has tried a 650 absolutely loves that bike. And I've heard other people say the same thing as you about the, mm. the 650 and the, and the 1050. The 650 being the, the better bike from uh, of the two. And, and there's plenty of power there anyway. I mean, for 650 in particular. Oh yeah, I've, I've never run out of power. It's got plenty of torque, and you know, gets me everywhere I need to go. So it's it's a fun bike. Yeah, Christopher, how how about you? How did you get into riding, and 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 what brings you to this point? Um, in my mid twenties, my best friend from high school and I both got divorced at about the same time, and he went out and bought a used sport bike. It was an old, beat up bike, and being a freak about having things clean and looking great the way I am, I told him to come up to my place and I'd detail it for him one weekend. So I did. And then he insisted I take it for a ride and I'd never ridden any motorcycle before in my life. Um, no jacket, no gloves, no boots, no helmet. <laughs> I just took off down the mountain from where my apartment was. Uh, a few miles, turned around, came back up and I said, this is more fun than any divorced dad should have, but I'm going to get one. And by the next weekend, I had bought a used uh, uh, 600 Katana. Um, rode that, I think, for two seasons. When I first got it, I said to myself, I made a promise to myself that I got, if I got a speeding ticket, that would be it. I got to sell it because I had two young kids and I wasn't uh, being mature enough with it. Um, and the beginning of the third season, that's what happened. I got a ticket for going six miles an hour over the speed limit out in the countryside. So, sorry, you said six miles over? Six miles an hour over. And I'll tell you why. There was a group here in Northern Vermont that they were doing all kinds of stunts out on the public roads, you know, literally doing wheelies going down the interstate at nine, 90 miles an hour. And they were out running the police all the time when, when they would get um, clocked by the radar. So that summer, the uh, head of the uh, state police in Vermont put out the word to all the troopers that no, no leniency whatsoever for uh, motorcyclists if they're speeding. So unfortunately I got a ticket. I interviewed and I literally interviewed people for the next month to sell it to somebody um, who I thought would be the most mature and safest on the bike. And you, you interviewed people. So in other words, you care that much about who's going to ride this bike. You want somebody who's going to be sane on it, not hurt themselves on it. Correct. So what's their, what's their motivation to actually do the interview? Are you selling it cheap? Um, I don't know. I don't know how much I would, no, I think I was selling it like, you know, regular, you know, typical market value. Um, 
but I, I ended up picking this young guy who, you know, said he had ridden for years, dirt bikes growing up and, um, six days after he, he bought it, he got killed on it. Mm. Wow. So I didn't, uh, own another motorcycle, I think for eight or 10 years because of that. Um, and I was remarried. I bought, I think it was a Honda F3, um, which was a lot of fun. Rode it for a season and it just didn't really thrill me a whole lot. So <laughs> I went through the same process of vetting people and interviewing them. And, uh, and this is no lie, Jim, when I chose this one guy, um, he gave me like half the money cash up front and said he'd be back the next week with the rest of the cash and he'd pick up the bike with his friend's truck, which he did. And it was a horrible day. It was raining, sleeting. It was a gross day out. Uh, he gave me the cash, put the bike in the truck, had it all strapped down. And then he said, thank you. And he said, I got to tell you something. He said, my cousin was the guy that you sold your first bike to that died on it. No way yes um and i just i handed him his money back i said you can't buy the bike i said you gotta take it out of the truck right now he said no are you he goes we've signed the you know the the sales agreement and all and you've got the cash it's my bike i said you can't i said because if you get hurt on this your whole family is going to be hunting me down yeah. um but i i probably saw him five six seven years later he still owned the bike um, he was working at a um, um, cellular store, so he, uh, yeah, he was he was good on the bike. He loved it. He had a lot of fun with it. Wow! I, like that is such an unbelievable coincidence. He, obviously, you're it in is. the same area. Yeah, yeah, northern Vermont. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was. It was heart wrenching to to see him leave with it again. Uh, leave with it, knowing what happened to his cousin uh, on my other bike. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I got out of riding for, I think, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Um, and I was here in Northern, Northern Vermont with a friend going to this, um, pie place in, um, Underhill, Vermont. They make phenomenal pies. And there was this old, not an old, yeah, it was an older bike just sitting on the lawn with the grass growing up underneath it and, you know, through all the spokes and the wheels. And I thought, I, I bet you I could buy that bike pretty cheaply. Um, and I tried, but it was springtime. There was a lot of rain. She didn't want anybody to test ride it in the rain. Um, I said to her, I'll be up Wednesday night with the cash. We'll sign the paperwork. I'll buy it without even taking it for a spin. Um, middle of that day, she sent me an email. She said, Oh, I sell, sold it to one of the dealerships. They came with a trailer and cash. So, um, I was, I was angry. I was so angry because we had an agreement yeah. Sort of, you know, in writing, in, in emails and texts. Um, but she wanted the for sure thing, uh, which was okay because I ended up buying a, um, I think it was a 1997 Suzuki Intruder 800 that was just in phenomenal shape. There was so much chrome on it. The red paint looked like it was fresh off the showroom floor. Uh, the first person who owned it had had this... Uh, I'm not into crows, but they had this beautiful, the crows on the fenders and the gas tank and the clouds and stuff. Uh, and it was a, 
a phenomenal bike. I took it for a long trip up to Acadia National Park, my first motorcycle trip ever, let alone by myself. I got home, I thought, it's a great bike, I love it, but it's just, it's too small, I'm too cramped up. So I ended up selling it and bought a uh, Suzuki Boulevard. And then I took a trip all the way up to the Bay of Fundy up in Canada with that, uh, which was great, but it just didn't have enough power to get out of its own way. And these are cruiser bikes. Yeah, it's a big cruiser. I, I always said to people, it's like driving a big Cadillac with no shocks or struts on it. It just, <laughs> um, and actually I bought that. The, the guy, I saw the guy driving down the road. He almost got T-boned by an elderly woman. Uh, and then the next day was for sale on his lawn just down the street from where I live. <laughs> uh. So so I got that at a pretty good price. But um, I realized I, there's, there literally, I think there's 35% roads in Vermont are still dirt roads. And I got sick of having to make U-turns all the time because the road goes from pavement to dirt. And I wanted to keep exploring the dirt roads. Uh, so I traded that in and I bought a, a Ducati Multistrada 950, which at the time I thought would be a great adventure bike. Um, but the thing just wants to fly. Either it wants to be on the kickstand or going 100 miles an hour. So it was very, it was very challenging. Um, not having any experience on the dirt roads and the mud because um, I was always having to slip the clutch and feather the gas uh, because I couldn't just let the clutch out and just putt along. It just didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I ended up selling that, uh, trading that in in uh, October of uh, 2020. Um, and I bought a BMW 850GS. And... Yeah, I love love going on the back dirt roads, exploring places that I otherwise probably would never see. When you buy this 850GS, is your thought process you're going to take this to the next level? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, why, to, that's why you're buying that bike. Yep, yeah. You bought it so you could keep up with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which bike did you have, Christopher, when, when you guys met? I had the time. Ducati Multistrada. Okay, so the Multistrada, that, that's the one where, where our story sort of brings you guys together. Because, D Christopher, yes. you live where? Georgia, Vermont. Okay, and Darren, you live where? Barry, Vermont. Okay, Vermont. how far apart are you? About 45 miles, I think. Oh, so, so you're right close together yeah. then. But you don't know each other. You're sort of moving in different circles, as we do. Darren, can you talk about um, this meetup thing? Sure. Um, so... I bought my bike, um, and I didn't really have anybody else that I knew that had an adventure bike. I'd, everybody around here rides Harleys, which I got nothing against Harleys. It's just not my thing. So, um, And they don't do very well on dirt roads. I've got to jump into it because a lot of people say <clears throat> the new Harley, that definitely does well on dirt roads. I haven't tried that one yet. I've seen a couple around here, but I haven't tried one. Right. Definitely right. Anyway, that. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, for no worries. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm surfing the internet, looking around, and there I find this uh, this group online. Um, Christopher, you might have to remind me, but I can't um, can't remember what the name of the group was. But they, there was an upcoming ride, an organized ride on back roads in Vermont, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. That'll, you know, I, it I was kind of like conservancy. Uh, no, motorcycle conservancy of Vermont or something yeah. like that. I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And um, so they had a group ride, you know, meet in uh, uh, Johnson, Vermont, which is kind of like halfway between Chris and I, honestly. We meet there occasionally anyway. Um, 
uh, but we hadn't met at that point. And then, um, so, you know, it was, it was like on a Saturday. So it was, it was like the perfect thing. I was like, oh, this will be good. You know, maybe meet some people, um, go f- learn some roads that I don't know about, whatever. So, um, you know, I planned to go there. So I, and, you know, just end up, you know, getting my bike ready, you know, go out that day, you know, show up at this, um, uh, uh, driving, like, I think it was a, was a bar or is a, yeah, it was a closed down bar, closed down bar or something like that. You meet there. And, um, so yeah, so I show up there. So I show up there and, um, on my V-Strom and, uh, Chris is there on his Ducati and we're the only two guys on bigger adventure bikes. All the other guys are on little Honda, you know, two fifties, three fifties or Suzuki's or whatever, um, enduro bikes. You're on your V-Strom 650. You don't know yeah. anyone else. Right. What do you think this ride is about? I thought we were just going to go ride some, you know, gravel roads, some back roads. I was a little bit intimidated when I see all these little enduro bikes and dirt bikes with headlights on them. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep up with that. <laughs> you pull in the parking lot and you realize that you're out of your league. These guys are, they, there's something you missed in the post or, or, or somewhere along the line that has, has uh, these people showing up on small bikes and you're showing up on this. Well, I mean, that's a large bike compares to everything else there. Very large bike. Right. Yeah. It's definitely bigger than a dirt bike for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely just feel out of my league. Plus, Remember, I hadn't really ridden much in 30 years, so I, I've been out riding on my own. But you know, I was still new to this game, and I certainly hadn't ridden much, uh, much gravel or dirt roads. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, for so you, this is kind of a way to get some experience as well. Meet, like you said, meet some people, but also gain some experience riding with people who maybe already know how to ride. Uh, exactly. the stuff, the, the tougher stuff. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Christopher, how about you? How do you come across this this meetup? Um. I think I saw it on Facebook somewhere. Um, I didn't really read much into it. I just, you know, saw that it said, you know, ride some dirt roads in Vermont. I was thought, oh, it's fantastic. Find some like-minded people to go out and ride with. Um, but as with Darren, as soon as all the people started showing up on the much smaller uh, dirt bikes, and uh, I thought, oh, boy. And they've all got, you know, the big knobbies on the tires. And I was like, oh, might be, might be out of my league. And I was. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to, I think for the most part, you know, motorcyclists are, are easy to, um, intro, you know, start talking with and, and get to know well. But uh, at this meet, I just was so shy and so nervous um, that I started talking with Darren and that was it. I didn't talk to anybody else. Um, so you guys are drawn to each other because you're sort of the outcast of the whole group. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, you're, you're on the big bikes and, and you just, you don't fit in. We were both had shiny red bikes and all these other guys are on these uh, semi-beat-up uh, enduro bikes. <laughs> it was, kind of, it was right. kind of funny. Did anyone come up to you guys and say, hey guys, you know, what we're doing here is, is a little bit much for your bikes? No, I don't think so. No, nobody said that to me. No. no. They were, they were, they, I mean, they were a good group. They were all pretty welcoming. They, they were fun, oh, yeah. You know? yeah. It was good, but we were just, I think we just kind of psyched, psyched ourselves out, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, one of the funny things about a gym is uh, we both had riding gear on that looked pretty new <laughs> and all these other guys look like they had gear that they've had for five or 10 years that, you know, was well-worn and muddy. And I was like, Oh, 
we stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely scream newbie when you pull up, even though you're really not. Yes. Either one of you aren't. You just happen to be yeah. into a different, you know, kind of riding than what yes. you're used to. But I mean, yeah, the, the bikes are too big, well, really for, for everybody else anyway, or the bikes are bigger than everyone else's and you've got all, all brand new gear. Um, it's clear you're you're sort of a, in, a, in a separate class from everyone else. So, so what happens here? You said nobody came up to you and said, hey guys, you might want to reconsider following us. D- does somebody no. do a, a speech, sort of walk through <clears throat> what happens that day or that yeah, morning? One of, yeah, one of the, I guess the um, the organizers you know, had a, a pre-ride meeting, just, you know, explaining where we're going, you know, telling everybody to ride respectfully, ride carefully. Um, the, the typical stuff, you know, if, if you get, you know, if you lag behind, you know, um, the last guy in the group in front of you, you know, if they come up to a turn, they stop and wait so that you know which way to go, that kind of stuff. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really feel intimidated or nervous at that point until we get riding and, you know, we're going down these dirt roads at 50 miles an hour. Um, so, so hang on. So you, you get the speech though. Like the, the guy that gives the speech, he talks about does you know, what an organizer should do, tells you what yes. to expect uh, that day. Maybe by the sounds of it, he didn't get into too much talking about the conditions though, the riding conditions. Well, and at that point, I'm not sure if that would set off any red flags in my head anyway, uh, not having, experienced any of that yet. Right. So you, you don't know. Simple as yeah. that. But you do know enough that you guys, well, you guys start talking and, and you sort of hit it off. We're going to take just a quick break while I tell you about just two things. Stay with us. We got a lot more coming up. So back in um, March, 2019, we had a couple on the show that had traveled the world, two up on a KTM 640. It was Heidi and David Winters. Now on that trip, David broke his wrist and he had to ride while well, maybe he wanted to ride. It's quite a good story. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, it was March 14th, 2019. Anyway, so David's there riding his bike, Heidi's riding pillion, and David has a broken wrist, his right wrist, his throttle hand. And he's got some kind of throttle lock he's trying to use, but he's getting very frustrated because it's difficult to use. It's difficult to lock and unlock. And his his wrist is aching the whole time as he rode. And that gave him plenty of time to think about the throttle lock and how it could be improved. So when they got home, he started scouring the market for a better throttle lock. They, they both did. They couldn't find anything that met their needs. Everything they looked at had shortcomings to it uh, in their mind. That's when David sat down and began designing his own throttle lock. Now, he must be pretty obsessive because when he was done, he's got the most impressive throttle lock that I've ever seen. They called it the Atlas Throttle Lock. Now, first off, it's made of metal. It's a delicate design like a Swiss watch, but very robust in performance. It's easy to clamp on your bike, takes just a couple of minutes to put on. Two buttons, one for engage, one for disengage. And the buttons have a solid positive feedback on them. So there's no mistaking what you're doing when you're pressing the button. It just feels right. Always reminds me of Apple products. You know, a lot of time spent here getting the right feel. The Atlas Throttle Lock is designed to allow you to adjust the throttle without having to disengage it. So when you're riding, you come to a hill, you want to pour on a little more throttle, you just roll it on and release and it holds the new throttle position. Same going down a hill or something, you want to back off or you want to slow down a little bit, you back the throttle off, it holds the new position. You don't have to press any buttons, you just roll the throttle back and forth. It really works extremely well. Truly an incredible piece of gear that I think every rider should have. It's called the Atlas Throttle Lock. It's available through atlasthrottlelock.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, atlasthrottlelock.com. 
When it comes to being connected to your bike, your foot pegs are paramount. Obviously, how could you ride without foot pegs? So if they're so important, why do motorcycles come from the factory with such wimpy pegs? Well, it comes down to economics. And to be fair, the average motorcycle that's sold, very few are lucky enough to get a serious rider as its owner, but you are a serious rider and you need serious foot pegs. IMS Products makes a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs ranging from the extra wide and large ADV1s and ADV2s on down to the core Enduros. Now, these pegs are all made from cast certified 17-4 stainless steel. They're all built in the USA and they're all warranted for life. And that warranty ought to give you a hint to the quality. They aren't just another foot peg. They're top of the line pegs, yet affordable for the average rider. The website is imsproducts.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. imsproducts.com. Right, so you, you don't know. Simple as that. But you do know enough that you guys, well, you guys start talking and, and you sort of hit it off. That's what happened, Darren? Yeah, like Chris said, you know, started talking to them. We're kind of similar ages, so, you know, we're the, kind of the older group. There's a bunch of younger guys there, too. A lot of the guys on Enduro bikes were younger guys, except for the leader. He was probably our age, but yeah. he was on a, like a 450-something. Um, but, yeah, we just started chatting. Um, you know, we both similar, you know similar age and we both could tell we you know i, I actually i thought chris was a lot more experienced than i was his stuff wasn't as clean as mine was so my, birth, my boots still had a shine on them so <laughs> do you guys discuss a plan a, like a sort of a strategy for the day at that point uh we didn't i don't think we did at that point um, we still you didn't kinda, plan on staying back you didn't stick together and say we'll, we'll go to the back of the uh, of the group uh, we didn't talk about it but i think that's what we ended up doing mm. yeah eventually i for me at least i realized that uh these guys were going much faster than i was comfortable with so i ended up lagging behind and actually a couple of times when we were getting in some really rough terrain i tried waving the guys ahead of us uh that were behind me because i didn't want to slow them down and ruin their day mm -hmm. but they just stayed back there um which is okay i just didn't want to ruin anybody else's day by my slowness yeah, but that that adds more pressure to you, doesn't it? Because you, it does. you want them to go by so you can take your time and pick your way and you know, and not be forced to, to make decisions too quickly. But when you have somebody yes. standing behind you saying, no, 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 I'll wait for however long it takes you slow people to get through whatever yes. technical aspect this is. And then you got you to gotta do it. Yes. Which, which is why I ended up dumping the bike when I did because... Um, I was going too fast for the, for the conditions and for my tires that I had on the bike. I didn't have any knobbies. Um, and I didn't know, you know, I, I, I was kind of, the puddles were like bowls, you know, the sides sloped up and I didn't know that the safer place to be is at the bottom, you know, cause otherwise you're going to slide down there anyway. Uh, yeah. And I got all squirrely and out of control and almost launched the bike, uh, up off the road. I mean, when I dumped it, um, but it's, purely because I was, I was feeling pressured to not slow people down behind me. Um, so I just went for it and didn't break anything on the bike. Just, you know. Is that the one where you launched it into the woods? No, that was a different ride than you and I did. <laughs> so, so talk about this dropping. It sounds very vague, Christopher. Exactly what happened here. And I assume you're the first to drop your bike between you and Darren. I think so. Yeah. I was ahead of Darren. Uh, I just gave it too much gas going through this one puddle and I didn't have, um, I didn't have street tires, but I didn't have full, full on knobbies either. Uh, and I gave it too much gas. Um, the back wheel came out to the left. Um, 
and I shot up up onto the edge of the road. There was a big dirt mound on the side, uh, and I stopped, and I was still upright. But when I went to put my foot down, there was no ground there because, you know, these adventure bikes are so tall. <laughs> uh, and I just flopped it over on the left-hand side. Um, but, you know, a couple of the young guys came over pretty quickly, if I remember right, and helped me get it upright. And, uh, yeah, I was embarrassed as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's the but worst. it's all part of the learning curve. It, it is part of the learning curve, but it's the worst when you have a crowd there. It's great to pick up your bike because I, I was going to ask you, what is your bike to, like to pick up? What was it like? It was yeah, heavy. What is it like to pick up? I mean, without all those people running over to pick it up for you. It, it's heavy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's extremely hard. Um, and at the time I had never practiced it. I'd never watched any of videos of how to properly pick up a bike so that you don't hurt yourself. Um, so two or three of us, I think, you know, we stood the bike up, so it was pretty easy that day. But, um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was embarrassing dropping the bike in front of all these guys that, you know, were so much better, more experienced, um, you know, which upsets me whenever I do it. But in, in nowadays, still, when I drop it, I get upset with myself um, and I ended just, most of the time, I just muckle onto it and, and pick it up as quickly as I can. Um, sometimes, you know, I say, hey, next time I drop it, I got to just go slow, take some pictures, have fun with it but I just can't seem to relax like that. <laughs> I'm kind of like you. I, I don't, I, I'm not one of those guys who stands on my bike when I drop it and get a photograph and, and everything. I want to get it picked up. I want to get back to it. That, yeah. That's how I feel as well. Same way. Darren, are you, you're watching this go on? Yeah, I was actually behind Chris, he, which um, I watched him drop his bike. And so what, what he didn't really describe was this section of road we got to. We, we rode some gravel roads before, we got to this one section. It was only about a quarter mile long, but it had, um, I'm going to say, eight of these potholes that were like two to two and a half feet deep. They, they, 20, they, almost, look, they almost looked like uh, ski moguls, but with mud. They were yeah. just that deep and that tall. And then so there's like eight of them spread out on this quarter mile, and they're like 20 to 25 feet long, each of these puddles, you know. So it, and, and for me, this was the first time I'd ever encountered anything like that. Like, I mean, I'm totally new to this, this riding, this uh, adventure riding. This is, you know, I'm, I'm way over my head at this point. So. <laughs> so you're not watching Christopher thinking, wow, he really can't ride. You're looking at him going, oh, no. Oh, no. I know. I got to do this. I'm like, oh, no, I'm about to do this. And then I'm like, oh, good. He dropped his first. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what tires did you have on, Darren? That's uh, Connie. TDK or yeah, TKC eighties. Uh, so actually, that's oh, a decent tire. Great tire, great tire. Yeah, for it, yeah, yeah. But um, but I had no technique, so I didn't know what I was doing. So, um, you know, I think I made it through the first one, and I got into the second one, and then, like Chris said, I mean, I didn't realize at the time that the place to be is at the bottom, not at the top. I'm not trying to be on the top. And originally, I, the first one I went through, I tried to stay up on top between the ruts, and it was so far down in between, I was just psyching myself out. So I did get into the. To, to the lower part of the rut on the second one, but then I tried to climb up. I don't know what I was thinking, but I tried to turn and climb up. And my front end just washed out, and then down I went and splash. And it was, you know, it was fun. Um, yeah, and I was I was embarrassed like Chris, and it was just like, oh my gosh, well, now what? <laughs> Is this how my day is going to be? Was anyone else dropping their bikes, or was it just you guys? I think it was the, uh, 
Did one more guy drop their bike, Chris? I think one other person dropped their bike when we were going through there. Maybe one other, but that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah. It might have been just the two of us. But How long of a ride we, was this that you were on? It was it was all day, wasn't it, Darren? Yeah, it was a good six hours of riding. This yeah. was in the first this was in the first half an hour that this happened. <laughs> first half hour, that's when you dropped yeah. your bikes in this mud. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It ended up being the the it ended up being the most technical part of the whole ride, but it, it still was it was it was not the way. It, it, I thought it was going to be a lot longer day than it did end up being. So, so what happens as the day progresses? Um. So so we got out of there. I mean, everybody was good. You know, we all pulled up towards the end of this technical section. Everybody stopped and having a drink and stuff. You know, getting the water, or whatever, getting hydrated and um, you know, just chatting. And, and everybody was good. Nobody was. Nobody was you know, busted anybody or anything like that. It was it was all good, um, and then um, then we just started you know then we got all organized. Everybody got out of the mud, <clears throat> got cleaned off, and uh, you know saddled back up and um, started riding again. And uh, I just held towards the back. Uh, I think Chris and I were somewhere around each other, one or two riders apart probably, and um, we just blasted around um, you know northwestern Vermont. And there's um, there's a ton of back roads and mountain roads and mountain passes and and or what we call mountains in the west and or in the east anyway, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're really not that big a mountain. But um, uh, but it's it's all great riding. I mean, it's beautiful countryside, and it was just it was it was it, was, it ended up being a really good day. We put on a lot of miles and a lot of back road miles on a lot of roads that I personally had never been on. So I had a I had a really good time, and yeah. kind of firmed up my love of adventure riding for sure. Yep, definitely. It was it was a great day, and from that point on, I didn't want to have anything but an adventure bike. Actually, I had to get a real adventure bike and get rid of the Multistrada. <laughs> Why is the 850 better than the Multistrada? Uh, well, the Multistrada, I think it just was, and I'm not a I'm not a, a gearhead, so I may be saying it wrong, but it just geared so that it, as I said, it just wants to go fast. Mm. Um, Even whereas, in first gear. Even in first gear. You can't crawl in first gear. Exactly. I was always feathering the clutch and the gas, trying to go slow enough to keep it under control, whereas the uh, 850GS is, um, it's it's much better. You just let the clutch out and you can just put along and uh, um, go at a safer speed uh, going through the rough stuff. Mm. You could just change your sprockets with that. To, to slow I could have, yes. Yeah. Yes. I could have paid somebody money to do that. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I loved the motorcycle in so many ways. Um, it was fast. It um, the handling was just incredible um, in turns and everything. Um, but I did get to a point too where I think in my third season, I thought this bike is just it's just too fast for me. I don't need to you know to be going so fast. Being an older man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a fairly careful person? Um. I think I am. Sometimes on our rides, I have to tell Darren to slow down a little bit because I don't want to get any speeding tickets. This um, is true. <laughs> you know, I like. You it's know, good I to like, have a balance, though. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, I like to get out and have fun, whether it's rock climbing. I've been skydiving quite a few times, motorcycle riding, but I like to keep it within the safe range so that I can get home, talk about the excitement and the fun, and in get out there another day. And where does it go? I mean, you know, come the end of the day, you stop, what happens? Um, one of us asked the other one for 
uh, email or, or a cell phone number. So we exchanged information and phone numbers and we literally have been in touch ever since all the time. I'm a little obsessed. I, I usually text Darren first in, in, the, in the day, just shooting the breeze. And by Monday morning, I'm trying to figure out what, where we're going to ride the next weekend. Uh, <laughs> I like to have my plans laid out uh, way ahead of time. <clears throat> it's great to have a riding buddy that, you know, we've we discovered over the couple of years there that, you know, we're pretty much right similar levels. You know, I mean, I do a couple things better. Chris does a couple things better. And, you know, you know he's more knowledgeable on, about one thing. And, you know, so it, it's just, we, I don't know, we just seem to hit it off and our temperaments just seem to match, you know, pretty well. And we just, uh, you know, it's just a good friendship developed out of it. And it's, it's been fun. Absolutely. So from there, you guys set up rides. You, you, like you said, you're wondering where you could go riding the next weekend, and you and you've sort of done that ever since. You keep setting up rides for yourselves. What, what kind of rides? Um, just you know, any it, um, the most amount of dirt road riding in a day, typically. Um, and I like the type of riding I like to do is, you know, we're my wife and I are you know eight miles from Lake Champlain, that north or western side of the state, and I'll say to Darren, let's just go east today and just keep hitting as many dirt roads as we can, not really knowing where we're going to end up, just meandering, poking around, enjoying it. Um, one of the fun things I love is when you pop out onto a paved road and there's a gas station and you literally have no idea what town you're in or what county in the state of Vermont. <laughs> um, it's always fun when I go in and I get something to drink. And ask him, so what uh, What town am I in? <laughs> and usually the clerk laughs. I'm like, no, seriously, I have no idea. I don't even know what town I'm in. And, and they laugh. Because you didn't ride in the normal way where you ride past the, the sign for the town. You came in the sideway off the dirt road. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think Darren likes to, he's much better at creating a route where he'd like to go. Um, where I, I like to just, I like to just wing it, which means I, I, probably miss a lot of the great stuff as well. <laughs> um, one of the things I really liked is the backcountry discovery routes came up with the New England route, which uh, I don't know if you're familiar, you're probably familiar with that, right? Mm -hmm. the, uh, um, that goes from New York into a little bit of Pennsylvania and then up through Vermont. A lot of it's in Vermont and, and New Hampshire and a lot of it, the route runs within 15 miles of my house. So um, when that came out, I started riding a lot of that and Chris would come down and we'd ride some of the some of that route, and then there's some other routes. There's a puppy dog route and a dirty dog route. <clears throat> Just some various things I found on online that you could download onto your GPS, and and it just other people have found these great dirt roads to ride on, and it, you know something to follow, and it's just been a great experience to um, find parts of Vermont that I probably never would have seen. And are you guys always riding together now, or you just mentioned there that you you rode uh, part of the BDR? I'm assuming by yourself. Um, we do both. I mean, we usually do like two or th you know, this time of year, we'll probably do two, maybe three rides a, a month together. And yeah. then, you know, I'll, I'll, the other times, you know, Chris rides a lot to work and back and then he takes shortcuts on the way home and end up picking him two hours, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> the good kind of shortcuts. Me, meandering home. Yeah. And now, uh, and then I'll go out, you know, after work for a couple hours or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I can get in. I mean, we both try to put on quite a few miles every summer or, so, or every year. D Darren's more gutsy than me. He'll, he'll hit the class four roads by himself. And, uh, 
you know, he'll either dump the bike or get it stuck in the mud and has to use this come along to get it out. Whereas I'm not that gutsy. I'd much rather have somebody else with me to uh, help me get unstuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I was wondering about the word gutsy. Isn't that foolish as well? <laughs> <laughs> Some people call it that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to pull myself out twice, you know, which is why I have a come along with me. So, right. yeah. what, what, do you, what do you have for come along? What is that? Like, I know what a come along is, but I mean, which one do you have? Uh, uh, just a small, a uh, thousand pound, just a, a chain come along, and then I have a, I take some rope with me and a couple other things to to tie it, you know, tie it on a tree and, and ratchet ratchet myself out. So. Right, right. Best Rest has a, a little come along setup. Um, uh-huh. uh, extraction setup. It's all rope with pulleys, which is quite nice that, because yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a bit lighter. It works very very well. Green Chili uh, also makes a, a version of theirs using straps. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely more lightweight than carrying the chain come along. The chain come along is a bit to, mm. a bit of weight there. Are you carrying that on the back? I carry it in one of my bags. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, at the bottom. <laughs> it's actually not that heavy. It's like it's like two pounds. I mean, which really, oh, it's I a mean, pretty lightweight one. Oh, I yeah, see. it's a pretty small one. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's nice to have a way to, to extract yourself. So is, is this has been how long have you guys been riding now? Four years together? Since 19, 2019. So yeah, three years, I guess. Yep. So over that time period, how has your skill level changed? Oh my God, mine's gone from like total newbie to, you know, I mean, I think I'm a pretty decent intermediate rider at this point. Um, yeah. I, I took When Dirt Days was down at Suicide Six Ski Area, in 2019, I went to there and, and took a couple classes, and, and that was a real eye opener. And then I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, and ever since, you know, just and listened to podcasts and just listened to all kinds of things, trying to, you know, learn techniques and improve, you know, what I do and and do it safely. So it's yeah. been a huge help. And I was too cheap to uh, pay the money for the uh, classes at Dirt Days, so I just sat and watched him do it. And uh, when he was done, then we went out riding together. Oh, wait, you actually went there. You, you're watching the lesson go on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I see. So you're picking up the tips. You're just not on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really hadn't intended it to be that way, like, to, you know, cheat and get the information. I just, I was, I was too cheap to, to pay for the lesson and... Uh, um, I didn't know how long it was to last, so I wanted to be there when Darren was done so that we could go out and hit the roads together. After seeing the lesson, after watching it um, and Darren go through it, do you think it's worth the money to, to get training? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I when I speak to people that, you know, walk up and ask me about the bike, what it is and what I do, um, I always tell everybody that if you're going to get into it, take some lessons from the professionals because... Um, well, you know, as we all know, it's easy to get hurt very badly on motorcycles. Um, and it, it just, it's smarter to take lessons so that you don't get hurt and it's more fun, right? If, if you're not dumping it all the time, you're enjoying the day more. Uh, so therefore you'll do it more. Yeah. How about you, Darren? Well worth the money? Oh, definitely worth the money. I, I, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have taken some more lessons the last couple of years as well. Just, it was just such an eye-opening experience. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the, the outfit that was doing the, the training at that point, but um, they did a really good job of, um, you know, we were, like I said, the first thing they taught us was how to pick the bike up, which is very handy. Mm-hmm. And not so much anymore, but certainly in the first couple of years it was. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, um, slow speed riding and, 
you know, riding, uh, leaning the opposite direction to be able to make your turns. And, you know, when you're riding really slow, using the rear brake, all of those little techniques that as a newbie with no experience whatsoever, I had no clue about, and it just made a huge difference. And then practicing, you know, just practice, practice. It really lessens the learning curve, doesn't it? And also, Christopher, you mentioned getting hurt, no doubt. I mean, it lessens the chance of that. It uh, it allows you to go into stuff. Like, I know that you, when you guys probably first started, you get into something, you have no clue what you're doing, and you end up making all the mistakes and paying for it in the long run. Yes. You don't know what you don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah. There, and there was so much I didn't know <laughs> that I didn't know. You know, it was just crazy. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, How about your motorcycles? Darren, for instance, what, what's changed with your bike as far as the way it's set up from four years ago when you started riding adventure riding to now? Um, I haven't done a lot. I put bark rusters on it because um, I broke two levers over the glass over a couple summers. I really haven't had to do much. That bike, honestly, is pretty well set up for, for adventure riding. I probably could use an engine skid plate um, for some of the rocky stuff that we do. But I've been pretty fortunate. I think for what you pay for that bike um, and the way it came from the factory, it, it's a it's a great bike for adventure riding in my book. You know, for the kind of stuff we do. I mean, I wouldn't be taking it out in the desert or something. But, uh, you know, for riding around Vermont, it's perfect. Christopher, your bike? Uh, well, as I said, I went from the, uh, Multistrada to the, uh, to the BMW because it's, you know, it's, it's better suited for it. Um, uh, a BMW, what else does he need to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, with, with this bike, I think it's a 21 inch front wheel. When I took it for a test spin, I was baffled why it was so hard to lean it into the turns. Um, and then I learned a long time after that, it just, you know, the centrifugal force of that tall front wheel, it makes it so that you have to push on the handlebars harder to lean it into the turns. Uh, my wife bought her 750 GS a few months before I did. Um, and if my bike's in the shop getting an oil change, new tires or whatever, I'll take her bike to work. And inevitably the first couple of slow speed turns getting out and getting out of our neighborhood i almost drop it because it leans into the turn so much easier because the front tire is uh not as tall um but anyways yeah it one of these days uh i'll just get full-fledged knobbies like darren has and uh i'll have a lot more traction in the dirt but i put so many miles on my bike every year i'd probably go through two or three sets of uh, knobbies if I had knobbies on my bike. They just burn up on the pavement so fast, commuting to and from work. Mm. So what tires are you running? Uh, Darren and I both have, um, uh, what are they called, Darren? Don't do that to me. Trail Max Missions? Missions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a 50-50 tire? It's a 50-50 tire. Um, I like them. I mean, I've got, I think, 13,000 miles on mine. And it's the back tire still has plenty of tread. Last September when we did uh, three days of the uh, New England BDR, um, and it was a really rainy summer down in southern New England. And there was a lot of mud, a lot of water on the roads. And I don't think we really struggled too much because of the tires. I struggled because of lack of confidence uh, that weekend, that's for sure. What, what was the ride like? Talk about the ride. Um, a lot of the dirt roads were um, 
a lot of washouts, you know, so you either had to take your chances and be on the muddy high side of the ruts or just be down in the ruts where it's um, a lot of flowing water, a lot of rocks. Um, I always pick the low side now after that first uh, time I dumped my bike uh, with that group ride. Um, doesn't always suit me well, but um, I figure if I'm going to end up there anyways, I might as well just start out there in the, in the lower side. Pick lower the low spots. side? What do you mean pick the low side? Yeah. Well, you know, if there's uh, ruts, you know, in between the ruts, sometimes it's not flat. In between the tire ruts from the trucks that have been through there for years, it's not flat. Um, so if you, if you try to stay on the center spot in between the ruts, you're most likely going to just slide down into it anyways. Um, so I just, I just take the, the low, the low section right off the bat. I think it's more controllable that way. Um, but I've never had, I've never had knobbies on this GS. So maybe being on the high side would be easier with the, uh, with knobbies. I think it comes down to if you can stay there. I mean, if you can stay on the high side, that's great. But inevitably, like you guys are talking about, especially if it's wet, it ends up drawing you in because that's how the ruts got formed to begin with. People slid into the spot and and then carried on with the ruts. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ruts are difficult. And are you standing up on your pegs as you do the ruts? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to, I like standing up on the pegs. I feel like I have a little bit more control. I can see farther ahead of me to see what the terrain is doing. Um. Yeah, of course, you know, it, as we're older, it, it wears out your legs much faster in the day being up on the pegs too much. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta, you have to find a happy medium. Now, um, what, what about you guys as, as far as, um, your, your street riding, any street riding courses there? I've never taken any lessons. Yeah, I've never taken any lessons either. I've been doing, all my lessons are on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing that uh, Yamaha Champ School. They have an online version, which teaches you um, a lot of the, the the concepts and stuff. And I found that really helpful. Um, it, it's I can't remember how many hours it is, but it's you know it's a whole bunch of YouTube videos, and, and in between are uh, uh, some quizzes to make sure you're learning what you're supposed to be learning, and that's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, it really teaches you braking control and stuff like that. And I, then I go out when I bike by myself and practice the techniques, you know, different, different threshold braking and all kind of you know, stuff like that. So I, I found that really helpful. Um, I, I really like to do their champ school. They have a two day school. That's the one on my, on my bucket list to, to, to go do that. So My bucket list. I would love to go out and do uh, the rawhide adventures out in Colorado. Mm. Um, really, really good. Learn, learn the good, the, the, the information and the techniques um, out there. Yeah, there's a lot of great schools. Uh, there's no doubt, and uh, and Jim certainly has a, a great setup there. I mean, he's he's done very very well with with what he does there, uh, running yeah. multi day trips as well. There's a lot there. So as far as you guys riding right now, though, you're you're riding on on weekends things like that. Do, do you guys camp when you ride, or is it just day trips? Most of the time, it's been day trips. Um, but last September when we did some of the BDR, uh, we camped, which we may not do, um, this summer when we do more of sections of it, because, you know, by the end of the day, you know, you're pretty tired, um, it, it, you're hot, you're tired, you're hungry and, you know, you got to get, find a campground and set up your tent and either cook food there or go out and find food. So we were talking that maybe this year we'll just stay at motels or whatever along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Now, do you guys consider yourselves adventure riders? Is that what you would say you are? I do, yeah. I, I. What about you, Darren? I think so. I think the dual sport handle is more for the smaller bikes, is what I've kind of gathered. But yeah, I think I would call it adventure bike. As you say, adventure bike is what I usually say. Mm-hmm. So what do you consider an adventure rider, Darren? Um, getting off the pavement. And um, I love to ride the what we have in Vermont are class four roads. They're basically unmaintained by the town roads. So they're can be very rocky and very muddy and lots of washouts and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I love exploring those things and challenging myself to see if I can make it through. So th- th- that's the stuff I like to do. Mm. Um, yeah, I get that. I love hearing that challenge yourself. I, I like doing that as well. That's, that's a big yeah. thrill for me, Christopher. How about you? How, how would you describe the, an adventure rider? Uh, to me, you know, an adventure rider, as well as, you know, challenging, challenging yourself um, is just getting lost, getting up into the mountains uh, in areas that you don't know and just, you know, hitting every dirt road that you can and just explore, mm-hmm. just explore. Look, you know, we, we come across these houses that are almost mansions that are miles and miles up these mountain dirt roads that we think, God, nobody lives up here. And then you come up to this house that is just gorgeous. And I always think, well, if you're living up here, you don't like people because there's not a whole lot of people going up there. Um, but it's the exploration for me as well um, that is a lot of fun and part of being an adventure rider. Mm-hmm. The thing, thing I like most about it is you can get a huge adrenaline rush going 15 miles an hour. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part I love about this stuff. You know, where if you're riding on the street, you, you got to be moving a little bit to get some adventure, so get some adrenaline flowing. But on an adventure bike, you know, we can get out there and we're doing these, you know, rocky roads or muddy downhill, whatever it is. It's just, you know, you have to think. You're always concentrating. You're, you're using your body. You're using your brain. You're using all your senses trying to, you know, maintain and manhandle your bike through all these things. And I just find the challenge is just really rewarding when we make it to the other side of that stretch, you know. Yeah. And it's it's the focus that you have to have when you're doing this kind of riding. I mean, you really have to be 100% focused on what's in front of you. Um, because if you're, if your mind is drifting off somewhere else, you're not going to see that big rock or whatever, you know, that's going to be a, a pitfall for you. So I like that aspect of it is you really have to just shut everything else off and, and really concentrate on the ride. The, the first summer, uh, last summer when I had, uh, when I bought the GS, Darren and I were on this new road. I think, I think Darren found it. Um, and we got to this really steep downhill. It was in the fall. And I said, I don't know, bud. I said, I don't know if we should go down that with the tires that we had at the time. And he said, what's the worst that could happen? So I said, all right, let's go. And little did we know there was a lot of mud and rocks underneath all the leaves that were covering the road. We, miraculously got to the bottom of it without dumping the bikes and we stopped and we said, well, we're in it now. We're not getting back up that stuff with, with our tires. So we had to just keep going. And the next time we stopped, I just wasn't, I just wasn't focused enough. And, um, I was on the downhill side of like this grassy spot and I just hit the front brake and I had already, I had already, uh, shut off the, uh, and I locked brakes. So I locked up the front tire, dumped the bike. It broke off half of the clutch lever. 
Um, so that's a good example of you really have to be paying attention all the time. Mm-hmm. It, so as far as for you guys, though, that that is the future for you. You're not, you're not looking to ride around the world. You're not looking to do some big, huge trips. You are happy doing the shorter trips. Um, I, one of the things on my bucket list is to do a trip around the United States. The podcasts that I've seen, that I've listened to and the videos I've seen over the last few years of these people in faraway lands. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, but I want to be able to explore our own country first. Uh, and I would love to be able to take six months off and travel our country in the summertime and see all the incredible sites that we have here. But I also love uh, the local day trips that we do. It's a lot of fun. Last summer, I bought a, um, a rack. I can put my bike on the back of my motorhome. Um, so one of my other hobbies is I show dogs, and we I had a dog show out in Michigan. So last summer, I took my bike with me on the back of the motorhome up to Michigan, and I did some riding out there um, while I was in between dog shows. And um, so one of my bucket list things and and bdr just came out with the new wyoming one and i have actually a friend that lives right on the route so one of the things i want to do is get out west and ride some some other roads out right out west mm-hmm. definitely high on my bucket list i'm trying to see if i can figure out um some way to be able to take like three or four weeks and uh, you know do some work from from the rv and 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 then drive and then get out somewhere where i can ride for a week or two and and sort of mixed sort of working and, and vacation into, you know, into three or four weeks worth of time. So that's my goal for maybe next summer. Right. Nice. <clears throat> when you guys are riding uh, into the rough stuff, you've got a, v- a V-Strom uh, 650 and a BMW 850. How well matched are they for you guys? Um, I think we do fine. Um, I don't, I don't get I don't get on the throttle as as much as I used to. So I mean, you know, Darren six fifty. I mean, we speed wise, we we keep up with the, with each other just fine. I think the, yeah. I think Chris's bike is a little bit better in the really rough stuff. I think it's got a little bit more ground clearance. But um, like you said, I mean, we, we keep up with each other just fine. I don't, I don't yeah. think it's a problem. I'm pretty impressed with that bike for the price point and what it comes with stock. It's, it's a pretty decent bike for, for back roads. The V-Strom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. You guys met by chance at doing this meetup thing. You both happened to, to go the same day for this or, or choose to go to the same event. You, you come riding similar bikes and, and they're out of place. What's the takeaway from this? You go ahead, Darren. I just feel lucky I met Chris and I, you know, a time in my life when I, you know, needed a distraction and needed a friend and, and, you know, just happened to, happened to meet him. And, you know, I don't know, it just feels like, uh, you know, sometimes not every, or a lot of times things happen that need to happen in your life. And I think that was, a, that was something that happened to me in my life that I needed at the time. So, um, you know, he's been a great friend. You know, it's 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 been it's been a, a blessing to me to, to have somebody to ride with, and it's just been a good thing all around. So. I agree. It uh, our friendship is phenomenal. Uh, Darren's my best friend these days. Um, thanks to that chance meeting that one day at the group ride. Yeah, it's it's developed into a great friendship. Like I said, I I text Darren almost every day. <laughs> Some days he's probably Jesus doesn't he have a life, but. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
That was Christopher Corkin and Darren Galise from their poems in Vermont. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Hey, if you're not doing it already, this show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. Drop by our website, AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on support. We'd love to get you a, as our, a patron supporter for us, as our patron team. And that way we can count on you each month, but um, you don't have to do that. You could do um, anything $10 or more, get you a sticker for your pannier, your toolbox, whatever. Um, anything $50 or more, get you shout out on our raw show and if you haven't done it already drop by wherever you're getting your podcast wherever you're listening to them in particular itunes and give us a five-star rating because that helps other people find the show anyway time to get out there and ride your bike of course after you've done that of course (laughs) time to get out there and ride your bike my name is jim martin thank you very much once again for listening and i'll talk to you next week This is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.